You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Excited to be here tonight? Okay, okay. Well, I've got a word. I cannot wait to give it to you. It's the best day of the week, not just because it's Wednesday, which, by the way, have you ever spelled Wednesday? Why do we say Wednesday? It should be Wednesday, right? So confusing, right? But it's not just the best day of the week because it's Wednesday. It's also the best day of the week because we are kicking off a brand new series that we are calling Simple Gospel. Simple Gospel. I am so excited about this series. I hope you guys came hungry for God's word. I hope you came ready to hear a word from God tonight. I believe God wants to speak something specific to each and every single one of us. And I really believe in this series that God wants to give some of us in the room, hopefully everybody, um, that light bulb moment. Have you ever had that moment where it's like, oh, I get it now. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit gives that to every single person in this room about this series. So I need to know, is anybody excited for the word tonight? Make some noise, New Song Studios. Come on. If you want to follow along with me tonight in the message, you can get your phone out, take some notes. If you've got a physical Bible with you because you're old school like that, um, which old school is the best school, um, you can get that out. We're going to be starting off tonight in Romans chapter 1. Starting in verse 16. Before I do, though, I forgot some juicy news, though. Y'all want to hear some juicy news? Got some juicy news for you. I heard from a little, a little birdie that we've got a guest speaker next week. What? Already? That's what I'm talking about. We've got a guest speaker, and I want to see if you guys can guess who he is. I'm going to give you some hints. You already have one hint. It's a dude. It's a dude. It's not Casey. Um, it is a dude, though, so that's your first hint. Sank it. Second hint, second hint is this, he's actually spoken at New Song students before, but it has been so long, most of you probably were not there. It was back when we were at Noah's event venue, and some of you are like, Noah's Ark, what? Uh, if, you were, uh, if you're a person in the room and you don't know what Noah's event venue is, the Lord has favor on your life, and you are highly favored because it's where we used to have church, and it is not even close to as cool as what we have now. Um, so it's been a while second, or I guess we're on the third hint now. Third hint is, uh, he's got the voice of an angel. You probably already know who it is. His name rhymes with Chavid Berry. That's right. Our worship pastor news of new song church, David Terry. He's going to be bringing, Oh, look at how handsome he is. Our worship pastor, David Terry next week. He's going to be bringing a word that you do not want to miss. I'm telling you, I already got a sneak peek, and he's going to be dropping some, some truth bombs that are going to melt your face off in the spiritual realm. So don't miss it. Okay, we need to get in the word. I'm wasting too much time. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. Let's get into this word, new song students. I hope you're ready. I hope you're leaning in. Um, and you can follow along with me on our big fancy screen if you don't have your phone or your notes. Check this out. Romans 1, 16, Paul says this. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is Paul saying to a Roman church, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Short, simple, 
That's our verse that's gonna be our main thought, not just for tonight, but for the remainder of this series. And so if you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is Sit Down, Be Humble. If you're taking notes, write that down. Um, The reference is not from a great song, um, but it is a great reference. Sit down, be humble. Let's pray before we get into this word. Father God, I thank you so much for every single person here tonight. And I thank you for the simplicity of your gospel, God, the simplicity of the good news. And Father God, I pray that you would open our eyes to the gospel. I know that there's a lot of people in this room that have grown up in church. They know the gospel. They know John 3:16 like the, the back of their hand. But I pray that every single person tonight would get a fresh revelation of your simple gospel, that it is power, that it's something we don't need to be ashamed of, that it's what you use to bring all men to you, all men and women who believe in you. And so I pray that you would breathe on my words. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, come on, amen. Okay, Uh, little Bible tip for you guys, Bible reading tip. One of the greatest things that we can do Uh, when we sit down to read God's word, whether that's at home by yourself or that's here on a Wednesday night or or wherever you do your Bible study or coffee shop, whatever. When you sit down to read God's word, one of the greatest ways for you and I to interpret, which means to, to understand the actual meaning, which sometimes is hard, right? Sometimes it's hard to understand the actual meaning of scripture, but the best thing that we can do to help that is to understand this thing called context. Somebody say context. Context is so important. You see, each book in the Bible was written, first off, we gotta gotta make this clear, it was written by the Holy Spirit. God wrote the Bible, but secondly, every single book was written through the Holy Spirit and through a person, right? So there's a specific author for each book of the Bible, and there's a specific purpose for each book of the Bible, And each book of the Bible, check this out, has a specific style and even a specific audience. So like the Bible's for everybody. It's it's for time and time and age to age. So it's for us. But when it was written, there was actually a specific audience that was supposed to hear these words first. And so knowing these things actually helps us uh, to understand what the words that we're reading actually means. When we know the context of a scripture, God can breathe on that and help speak to us about what he's trying to say to us as well. And so in this specific passage that we opened up in, Romans chapter 1, we find a guy named Paul. You've probably heard about him. We've talked about him a lot recently. Paul was an apostle, and he used to be a dude that literally persecuted Christians. He was hating on Jesus, throwing shade at Christians, and then one day Jesus showed up, changed his life forever, and he became like one of the baddest dudes bad in a good way, in the New Testament, right? So Paul shows up into the scene, and in this specific book, he's writing the book of Romans, uh, and it's uh, what it consists of is a bunch of letters that are being written to house churches in Rome. Kind of crazy. So Paul's writing to house churches, and understanding this context is actually really important for us to know, uh, because when we understand why Paul was writing it, who he was writing it to, and where they lived, that's going to help give us a lot of information about what he just said, what we just read in verse 16. 
So he's writing to house churches in Rome. Well, what do we need to know about Rome? Somebody say Rome. Rome. What do we need to know about Rome? Well, Rome was basically like the center, like the hub of technology, of power, of philosophy. Um, They were like a first world country today, but in ancient time. You know, we think about like ancient people and ancient history, and we think that everybody just grew up in caves and sat around bonfires, right? But that's not the case. Like when we talk about ancient Rome, ancient Rome was not that ancient back in their day. Like they were a highly developed nation. They were like a first world country with first world problems. They probably got mad when they lost their iPhone charger and they probably got mad when they didn't have three meals a day and a snack in between every meal, right? Like, like Rome experienced first world problems because they were like us. We live in a first world country, right? We have first world problems. We're highly developed. And so we need to look at this, this context in that, in that mindset that Paul is talking to a sophisticated culture. Does that make sense? Are you guys following me? Paul's writing to a sophisticated culture. We live in a culture a lot like Rome and, and the, the place that these house churches found themselves in. We, we live in a culture today that, that is obsessed with um, discovering the next big thing that's going to make us feel better, right? We're obsessed with the next big thing. We're obsessed with, with progress. We're trying to get better, but not with God. Um, we're obsessed with the new things, and we get really tired of old things really quickly, right? Like we need a new iPhone every single year. But we didn't used to need a new phone every single year, right? We get tired of old things. We look past the simple things in life because we're so caught up in the new and the progressive and the now. Does that make sense? This is the same place that Paul finds himself in Rome. So Paul comes into Rome with this message. It's called the good news. It's called the gospel. And this message that he's bringing to Rome is not flashy. (laughs) It's not trendy. In fact, this message actually requires people to recognize that they kind of suck and they need help. (laughs) And so it's it's not like a popular message. And this is why Paul writes this. In, first, or in, in Romans 1.16, he says this. Look, he says, for I am not ashamed. I don't care what you guys think. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because check this out. It's the power of God. My favorite Bible commentator, he writes this about this passage. He says, this reveals Paul's heart. In a sophisticated city like Rome, some might be embarrassed by a gospel centered around a crucified Jewish savior. So what is he saying? Paul's literally writing this to encourage Christians, the the house churches in Rome, and he's trying to say, hey, you don't need to be ashamed of this news. I know that we live in a place that might look down and might think it's not that big of a deal, but don't be ashamed about it, because look at this. Paul was not ashamed because it was the power of God. And so Paul had an understanding um, that we're gonna be focusing on throughout this entire series And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down for my note takers in the room. Where are my note takers at? If you're taking notes, write this down. This is a huge point for our series and focus. Simple is powerful. Simple is actually really powerful. You know, a lot like the Roman culture of the day, we tend to overlook things that are old We tend to overlook things and not give much time to things that are simple because we don't think that simple is that powerful. 
You know, we want the new best thing. We want progress. We want flashy. We want what the world tells us we should want. Um, And when we do this, we start to actually overlook things that are simple. But when we overlook things that are simple, we miss out on things that are powerful too. And that was good. I need to say that again because somebody did not amen me and they should have. When we overlook simple things, we actually miss out on powerful things, right? So check this out. Um, There are plenty of simple things today that you and I overlook constantly that are actually really powerful things. I was thinking about this today. You know, one of the simplest things that we overlook constantly is this thing called the light bulb. You ever seen a light bulb before? We've got plenty of them in this room. You've got light bulbs in your house. How many of you actually pay attention to light bulbs? Oh, come on. You're lying. You're straight up lying in church. We overlook, we overlook simple things like the light bulb because we have them. They're everywhere. They're just, they're a part of our everyday life. But you know where the light bulb literally like completely changed human history? Whenever Thomas Edison or Tesla, whoever did that, I don't know. You guys can go crazy on the conspiracy theories. But whenever that guy invented the light bulb, everything changed forever because people started going to sleep at night. (laughs) Or people started staying up at night. But they used to go to sleep when the sun went down, right? It changed our world forever. So much so that today when the lights go out, you ever been in a storm and the power goes out? Have you ever had that thought where you're like, how did people do this for thousands of years? Have you ever had that thought before? How did people survive without light bulbs? Like we overlook simple things all the time. Another thing that we overlook, cars. You know how crazy, you know how crazy it is that, just think about this for a second. We get in giant metal boxes with wheels attached to them and then we go like 80 miles an hour down the street. How crazy is that? Planes. Talk about cars. Planes, so simple. You get in a plane, you fly somewhere, you get off. But think about how powerful and how crazy it is that we get in a metal tube, we fly thousands of feet up in the air, and sometimes we do that over the ocean. That's ridiculous, y'all. That's ridiculous. We overlook powerful, or we overlook powerful things because they're simple, but simple things are actually really powerful. You know, we do this at church all the time. You and I do this at church all the time. Where are my people who grew up in church, grew up in children's ministry? Come on. Okay. I was that kid too. Have you ever, because you grew up in church, came into a message, maybe it was one of my messages, I won't get offended, or maybe it was a message on the weekend, and the pastor starts preaching, and you have this thought. I've already heard this before. Come on, be honest. Have you ever had that thought before? You literally are thinking, this is simple. I already know this. And you know what you do in that moment? You completely block yourself from the power of that message. And guess what's really cool about God's word? It's living and active. That means that you could read the same passage or hear the same message over and over and over again, and God has the ability to breathe fresh life on it every single time. So when we overlook simple things, what we do is we negate our ability to actually receive powerful things. Does that make sense, New Song students? This is our heart, this is our heart for the message. We don't want to overlook the simple things. And the gospel, what we're going to be looking at tonight, is a simple thing. It's something most of us have heard our entire life, but it's also the most powerful thing that you can experience. And so we're going to ask God to breathe some fresh life on this. Um, the rest of my message, it's a little chunky. If it's your first time here tonight, that, means we just, that just means we read a lot of scripture. And I hope you guys are okay with reading some Bible in church. Um, 
We're going to be reading some Bible, so buckle up. We started in Romans chapter 1, um, and I want to stay there, but we're just going to move back a couple verses. We're just going to go to the very top of Romans chapter 1. We're talking about the simple gospel. All the word gospel means is literally good news. If you're taking notes, write that down. Gospel equals good news. That's literally what the word gospel means. So we know, Paul's letting us know in verse 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And and then we know now that the gospel means good news, right? So what good news is Paul talking about? What good news is Paul not ashamed of? Is Paul, uh, is Paul not ashamed of the good news that like, hey, hey, my name's Paul. I've got some good news for you. I've got some really good news for you. Um, Jesus saved me and I'm pretty stinking awesome now and really smart, so you should follow me. No, that's not the good news. That's not the good news. Uh, Paul didn't go up to people and he was like, hey, what's up? My name's Paul. Got some good news for you. There's some sweet goat deals over at the city gates. It's two for one should go pick up those goats, right? That's not the good news. Paul didn't go up to people in Rome, and he wasn't like, hey, my name's Paul. I got some really good news for you. Rome is finally getting an In-N-Out burger. Thank you, Jesus, right? Man, if Oklahoma, if Oklahoma City got an In-N-Out burger, that would be gospel. That would be some good news, let me tell you. Okay, what exactly... What exactly is the good news that Paul is talking about? Well, if we back up just a few verses, he tells us exactly what it is. We're going to read some Bible. Y'all ready for this? Verse 1, here's what it says. This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his what? Good news. news. That's right. Y'all are paying attention. Uh, God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Check this out. This next verse, if you got a Bible or a phone, highlight this, write this down. Huge. Look at this. The good news is about his son. Plain and simple. The good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family, family line. He was shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as, as apostles to tell Gentiles, to tell people everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Okay, chunky scripture, really good scripture. What do we learn about Paul, about the gospel? Well, we learn number, two things. It's all about Jesus. Somebody say, it's all about Jesus. That's the good news. It's all about Jesus, and we learn that he did something for us. It's all about Jesus and what he did for us. Another passage um, that gives us a really short and sweet summary of the gospel is one that you all probably know. Uh, It's called John 3.16. You probably know it. Which, by the way, um, for all of you In-N-Out haters, In-N-Out... In-N-Out has John 3.16 written under their cups, which clearly explains why they're so blessed and why they have the best burger in America. Okay, let's continue. John 3.16. John 3.16. For this is how God loved the world. That's really important. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish. You should, write, you should underline that one. That's really important. Will not perish, but have 
eternal life. Okay, so the good news, the gospel, is that Jesus made it possible for you and I to know God. That's, that's our vision for our church. We want to help people know God. Jesus did that. Jesus did what no human has yet to do. He lived a perfect life. He died a death he didn't deserve, right, for you and for me, uh, so that we could step into a relationship with God that lasts forever. Y'all want to know what that's from? Forever. That's what Jesus did for us. Everyone who believes, anybody, doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, if you believe in Jesus, in an instant, you are saved. This is the simple gospel. How many of y'all, you know this, but you might not know how powerful this actually is. This simple gospel is powerful. And like Paul said, this is the kind of news that has the power for God to bring salvation into a person's life. This is the simple gospel. A commentator, he writes it like this. I love this. This is really good. You should pay attention to this. The gospel is not advice to people suggesting that they lift themselves up. It's power. It lifts them up. Paul doesn't say that the gospel brings power, but that it is power and God's power at that. So I want you to see tonight, New Song students, that the power of the gospel is really good news. Like the gospel is really good news, but if you find yourself like all of us in this room who live in Oklahoma, we live in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. There's like 20 churches probably on this street. We live in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. 95% of people in Oklahoma probably have a cross tattooed somewhere on the body, (laughs) myself included. I will admit to that. Um, But we can all probably also quote John 3.16 in our sleep, right? Like we know this stuff. And we, we can find ourselves, if we're not careful, being too familiar with how good this news actually is. And we can start to let it lose its power, not because it's not powerful, but because we don't understand how powerful it actually is. Like, we don't understand what Jesus actually did for us. So I think, and the Holy Spirit was really, really leading me, giving me a burden for this message tonight— I don't think you can actually fully understand how good the good news is until you understand how bad the bad news actually is. So we're going there tonight. We're going we're gonna to go there tonight a little bit. We're going to talk about some bad news, but it's going to end well. I promise you, we're going to get back to the good news. But here's the bad news. I got some bad news. Paul lets us know in Romans chapter 3, he says this, For all have sinned. Everyone. Somebody say everyone. Everyone Everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. So that word sin, y'all are probably familiar with that word. You've probably heard it before. That word sin, literally, it's like an archery term. So it means to shoot at a target and to miss the mark. That's what sin means. You can write that down if you're taking notes. Sin equals missing the mark. That's what it means. You're trying to shoot at a target and you just airball. Like you totally miss. You don't even hit the target. You just the totally opposite direction. That's what it means to miss the target. And Paul lets us know this is what the target is. The mark that we're missing is God's glorious standard. Yeah. If we're being honest, if we're being completely real, here's what God's glorious standard is. It's perfection. Wow. It's like being perfect. It's a perfect relationship with him. It's perfect trust with him 
perfect obedience for whatever he says. That's God's glorious standard. It's actually what we see Adam and Eve walking into the garden before sin showed up in the picture. They were living at God's perfect, glorious standard before sin showed up, right? But you may be thinking, that seems a little bit unfair, God, to be like perfect. That seems a little unfair, God. Don't you know I'm only human? You ever heard somebody say that before? You ever made a mistake or your friend makes a mistake? You're like, dude, it's okay. You're only human. Come on, who's ever said that before? I've said that before. You're only human. Here's the thing. I'm about to rock your world. Here's the thing. Jesus actually showed us what it means to really be human in its perfection. Jesus shows us what it means to actually be human. And it's not making mistakes. It's not sinning all the time and doing whatever we want. Being human is actually perfection. Kind of crazy, right? He shows us the standard and the standard and the goal of what it means to be human. Not a person who sins, not a person who, who lies to get out of, in, uh, of being in trouble. No, he's the thing that God is trying to transform us into. Jesus is the person that God is trying to make us look more like, a perfect person. But the thing that's keeping us from really being human is this thing called sin. This thing called sin. And here's what we need to understand about sin. You should write this quote down. It's such a good picture of sin. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. I'm going to say that again. Might take a second to sink in. I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. In other words, sin, this is what we think. We think sin is an action problem. We, we think sin is making mistakes. But that's not what sin is. Sin isn't making mistakes. It's actually an identity problem. It's not an action problem. It's an identity problem. And I think one of the reasons why so many people, even Christians today, don't fully understand how good the good news is, like what Jesus actually did for us to save us, is because we don't think we're that bad. Like we just don't think we're that bad. We think, well, I'm not like that bad. Like I don't sin all the time and like I'm a pretty good person and like I brush my teeth twice a day and like, like why do I need to be saved, Jesus? Have you ever had that thought before? Like why do we really need to be saved? Why do, why do I need God to save me? Check this out. It's because it's not that the issue is not how much you sin or to the degree that you sin. The issue is that you have what the Bible calls a sin nature. You and I are born with this thing. It's called a sin nature. And your sin nature, basically the best way to describe it is it's like your knee-jerk reaction to miss the mark. (laughs) You ever like been scared by somebody and you almost went, that's like your knee-jerk reaction. Our knee-jerk reaction, because we have a sin nature, is to miss God's mark. We can't hit God's mark because we have a sin nature. That, that's our first, that's our knee-jerk reaction is to sin. Like, we don't even have the ability to hit God's mark with a sin nature. And check this out. You can blame it all on a guy named Adam. <laughs> you can blame it all on a guy named Adam because we all inherit a sin nature because Adam, he had a perfect nature. Before sin showed up, he had a perfect nature, but the Bible tells us that because he sinned, sin fall, it passes through uh, earthly fathers and earthly mothers. So how many of you have an earthly father in the room? How many of you were born of an earthly mother? You don't have any alien parents? None of you were born from the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, good. We're all born from people, right? That means, check this out, that means you were born into this world 
with a sin nature, a knee-jerk reaction to sin. And the best way to describe this is, have you ever noticed that you don't have to teach kids to do bad things? Like, you don't have to teach a kid, hey, you should lie when you want to get out of trouble. What parent would do that? That would be crazy. You don't teach kids to do that. That's their knee-jerk reaction. Oh, I'm in trouble? I should lie to not get in trouble. Have you ever heard a kid say, mine? That selfish little creature that just says, mine. How many parents taught their kids, hey, when, when a kid wants your toy, say, mine? No parent does that. You don't teach kids to sin because it's already in us. We're born with a sin nature. You know, I'm, I'm already starting to see this with my 10-month-old daughter. Now, she doesn't speak English yet, um, but she does this thing where I'm like, oh, I see a little sin nature in you, girlfriend. We have this, like, tripod, um, this, like, tripod lamp in our living room, and she loves to go over to it and shake it until it falls on top of her and she cries. So now... What we've been doing is we've trying to, we're trying to tell her no because she can understand tone now. So she'll go up to that. She'll crawl up to that tripod lamp, and she'll go for it, and we'll be like, Marlo, no. And she'll be like, no what? <laughs> and we're like, Marlo, no. Don't touch that. And she's like, touch this? And then she starts shaking it. <laughs> it's because we're all born with this thing. It's a sin nature. It's our knee-jerk reaction to sin. This is what it means to have a sin nature. And check this out. It means that unless God does something, unless God intervenes, you and I can't hit the mark. This is the bad news. You and I can't hit the mark. The reality is that if God doesn't do something, if he doesn't step in, people are not getting better. And this is so backwards from the world we live in today. We think that we can just get better on our own strength. And what we find in, in history is that we're actually not getting better. Like time is not making us better people. It's because we have a sin nature. This is the lie that sin tries to tell us. It's this idea that I don't need God to be better. Yeah. I don't need God's help to figure out what's right in my life. I can figure it out all on my, on, all my own. And I'm not that bad, so I can get better on my own anyway. This is the lie of sin. I don't need God to help me out. And New Song students, if there's anything we learn from reading the Old Testament, it's that people don't get better. People don't get better over time. People don't learn their lessons. We, we see this in the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they're living in the garden. It's perfect. And then they sin and they do the dumb thing and they give us all sin, right? Thanks a lot, Adam. But you know what? Their kids don't learn a lesson from their parents. Because they have two sons, Cain and Abel. And guess what? One of their sons murders their other son. So he kind of stepped it up a notch. He was like, Mom, you're just going to take the apple. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill somebody. We don't get better over time. Fast forward in the story a little bit. God looks down at the earth. He sees how evil the world's gotten. And he decides, I'm going to restart with Noah. So he floods the earth. Guess what? You'd think Noah would learn. No. Noah doesn't learn either. He starts throwing out sin after the flood. And I want, to get us to, uh, I want to get us to a specific passage. And I just want to show you this fact that we, we actually don't get better over time because of our sin nature. This, this passage is in Genesis chapter 11. It's about the Tower of Babel. Babel. You ever heard this story before? I want to read this to you because uh, it's a passage that's going to show us 
not only the truth that people don't get better over time, but it's actually going to reveal to us the root, the lie that uh, the root lie that causes us to fall into sin in the first place. So I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to read it in this thing called the, the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's this, <laughs> it's this thing that I read, uh, Marlo, every night. And I'm telling you, this thing will preach. So you should buy one of these. I'm not joking. You should buy one of these. Um, but I want to read this. I want to read this story to you guys from the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's really cute. Let me find it real quick. And okay, so it's about the Tower of Babel. And the, the story is entitled, A Giant Staircase to Heaven. You guys ready for some story time? Okay, I need you to lean in with me. Don't lose focus. This is really good stuff. It says, Noah and his family lived in the land, and his children had children, and their children had children, and those children had even more children until, well, you get the picture, until there was lots of people on the earth once more. So this is after the flood. Now, back then, everybody spoke the exactly same language, so you didn't need to learn Swahili or Japanese or anything because you could just say hello to anyone and they knew what you meant. So everybody spoke the same language. One day, everyone was talking and they came up with an idea. Let's build ourselves a beautiful city to live in. It can be our home and we'll be safe forever and ever. Then they had another idea. And let's build a really tall tower to reach up to heaven. Check this out. Yes, they said. We'll say, look up, look up at us. Look it up us over here. And everyone will look up at us, and we'll look down on them. And then we'll know we're something. We'll be like God. We'll be famous and safe and happy, and everything will be all right. So they got to work. Brick by brick, building the tower. It grew higher and higher until it soared above the city, touching the sky. They built stairs in the tower to climb up to the top. It was like a giant staircase to heaven. Y'all still hanging in with me? Okay. Check this out. Look, they cheered. We're the ones. See what we can do with our very own hands? They were quite pleased with themselves. But God was not pleased with them. God could see what they were doing. They were trying to live without him. But God knew that wouldn't make them happy. It wouldn't make them safe or anything. If they kept on like this, they were not only going to destroy themselves, but their world. And God loved them too much to let this happen. So he stopped their plans. Okay, so far so good. You guys hanging in with me? Okay, we find, I want you to picture this with me. We find a similar city and a similar culture to that of Rome the people Paul is talking to, and that of our culture today. We see a highly developed group of people, sophisticated, just like Rome, and just like the world we find ourselves in today, trying to get better without God's help, right? Without God's help. And what we discover in this story is that people haven't fixed the sin nature in their heart. They're still trying to do things on their own. They're still trying to get to heaven without God, they are still being run by a sin nature. And we also find the root, the reason behind the sin. And it's this idea of, I don't need God's help. If you're taking notes, write this down. If missing the mark is the fruit of sin, then the root of sin is pride. 
And I did not get an amen for that, so I'm going to say it again. If missing the mark is the fruit of sin, then the root of sin is pride. New Song students, what I want you to see tonight is pride is the main motivation for all sin. All sin. God, I don't actually think your ways are best for me. God, I don't actually think I need your help. God, I don't actually think you have my best in mind. So I'm going to take things in my own hands. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. But 1 Peter, I want you guys to read this with me. 1 Peter 5 lets us know what happens when we let pride run our life. Check this out. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. It says, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And of all of you, dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. Huge verse right here. Huge verse. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will honor you. He will lift you up. New Song students, this verse, if I'm being real with you, this is a scary verse. God opposes the proud. Another translation says God resists the proud. Can you imagine? You're trying to dunk, and God is just like, nope. Like, God, you're trying to dunk. You're trying to do things your way. You're trying to live life your own way. You're trying to live proud. And God is just like, nope. Can you imagine how hard it would be to, this is what this scripture tells us. God doesn't just ignore the proud. He opposes the proud. And that's scary. That's a real verse. God opposes the proud. And when we walk in pride, when our sin nature, our motivation for all the sins we commit, commit is, God, I don't actually trust your way is best. We step into an area where God is actually resisting us. God is resisting us. And this may not seem like that big of a deal until you understand the reality uh, that there are people who at the end of their life have chosen to be resisted by God for eternity. I told you, we're talking about the bad news tonight, New Song students, because you can't understand how good the good news is until you like fully understand the bad news. You know, at the end of our life, we have our entire life to enjoy God's creation. And you can enjoy God's creation and not even enjoy God. You can enjoy all of God's perfect benefits. And at the end of your life, have this pride in your heart that God says, I have to oppose this for eternity. This is a reality that we have, to, we have to understand. Jesus talks about this. Jesus did not ignore this thing called hell. It's a real thing, New Song students. And Jesus said that God opposes the proud. But Jesus didn't uh, just come to be a good teacher. He came to rescue us. Like Jesus literally came to rescue us from an eternity separated from God. And so I want to read to you how the end of this story goes. Um, I want to skip a page in this story, but I want to read to the end of how the Jesus Storybook Bible finishes this out. I love it. It's so good. It's beautiful. It says, after that, people scattered all over the world, which is how we ended up with all of the languages that we have today. You see, God knew however high they reached, however hard they tried, people could never get back to heaven by themselves. People didn't need a staircase. They needed a rescuer. 
People didn't need a staircase, they needed a rescuer. They needed a rescuer because the way back to heaven wasn't a staircase, it was a person. People could never reach up to heaven, so heaven would come down to them, and one day it would. Come on, amen, somebody. So I want to get to the good news because we've been in the bad news for quite some time. (laughs) Anybody ready for some good news tonight? I'm ready for some good news. There's some really good news. And it's the good news that Paul talks about. It's the good news that he's not ashamed about. If you're taking notes, this would be a great point for you to write. The fix to our sin problem is not trying to sin less. It's receiving grace from Jesus to be sinless. Our problem is not that we need to try and sin less. It's that we need to receive grace from Jesus to be sinless. You don't, just need a, you don't just need to be forgiven from your sin, which is what we tend to think of the gospel as. You need a whole new nature. You need a whole new nature, which this is why God's, God's good news is literally so powerful. God doesn't just forgive you. This is why Jesus says to Nicodemus in Matthew, he says, when you're saved, you're actually born again. That means that you're not, you're not born with that old nature anymore. You're given a completely new nature nature. You see, we tend to think of God's grace as mercy, but mercy and grace are different. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So mercy is God saying, I forgive you of your sin. You deserve death and hell, but I love you so much that I'm not going to give that to you when you receive my son. That's mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's kind of like this. The best way I can illustrate this, I heard it from a pastor. It's my favorite way to illustrate this. Um, Imagine, for those of you who drive, imagine this. If you don't drive, imagine you're with your parents and you're going 90 in a school zone. You're going 90 in a school zone. How many of you know you're getting pulled over? So you get pulled over, you go to court, you go to court, you're standing in front of the judge. If the judge had mercy on you, pay attention to some students. If the judge had mercy on you, this would be mercy. Hey, I know that you were going 90 in a school zone, which is crazy. You should go to jail and have like a $10,000 ticket, but I'm just gonna let you go. That's mercy, not getting what you do deserve. This is God's grace. You're going 90 in a school zone. (laughs) You go to the court, you're standing in front of the judge, And the judge says, hey, you were going 90 in a school zone. That's pretty dumb. But we're not gonna give you jail time. We're not gonna give you a ticket. Oh, and by the way, when you leave, we've got a brand new Ferrari waiting for you in the parking lot. That is God's grace. In fact, the fix to our sin nature problem is God's Ferrari grace. I need you to write that down if you are taking notes. The sin problem, the fix to our sin problem is not just God forgiving us, it's God's Ferrari grace. It's God's Ferrari grace. It's this new nature, this upgrade. You're literally born again. And it's this ability to actually start hitting the mark. Doesn't mean you're still gonna miss the mark because you will, but now you actually have the ability because you have a new nature to hit the mark. So if we have God's grace that's available to us, how do we get the keys to the Ferrari? Who, who wants the keys to that Ferrari grace? I want the keys to that. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
So how do we get the keys to God's Ferrari grace? Humility. You don't get the keys to God's grace by working. You don't get the keys to God's grace by, by striving or begging for the keys. According to 1 Peter 5, all you gotta do, the keys are all yours when you get to the point in your life where you say, God, I need you. I'm humbling myself because I actually don't know the right answer and I believe you do. God says that when we humble ourselves, then we get the keys to his grace. This, this is the power of the simple gospel, New Song students. I hope you see this. I hope you see this. Our ability to walk in God's Ferrari grace literally only takes you admitting, I need God. You know, there was a time in my life where I had grown up in church my whole life. I was a lot like so many of you. Grew up in church, played church. Up until my senior year, I was totally living a lie. And everybody thought I was the dude. They're like, Jackson's the dude. And I was living a completely false life. And I found myself at a prayer meeting with some of my friends one day. It was before school. We weren't in church. We were just praying together. And I realized I had never actually done this verse. I had never actually humbled myself and said, Jesus, I need you as my Lord and Savior. I had said the prayer. I had done the thing in kids ministry, but I never got to that point in my life where I actually said I'm humbling myself because I realize how much I actually need you. And I gave my life to Jesus on a staircase in a prayer room with some of my friends before school one day. It wasn't in church, but that day changed my life forever because I got a new nature. It just took me humbling myself. It took me saying, I know I've grown up in church my whole life, but I actually think I haven't been doing church right. I haven't been doing this relationship with God right. And so tonight, I wanna invite us to an opportunity to humble ourselves. How many of you want God's Ferrari grace in your life? I hope you do. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.